Hey, good morning, Grand Rising. Um, we are here. It's our first episode, and we're excited because we have one of our founders, and she's a pivotal founder in our group called Black LinkedIn is Thriving. She's joining us this morning for our first episode, Dr. Lanisha Adams. Dr. Adams, how are you? And oh, call-in is a little bit cra- kind of not crazy to navigate, but initially it's uh, a little bit challenging. So we're going to wait for Dr. Adams to be able to speak with her mute button um, or unmute button. Just so if you're interested in understanding what Black LinkedIn is. Hey, Dr. Adams. Hey there, Martin. Yeah, it's a little buggy. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get the hang of it, it's really it's real clear and simple, kind of like Luma, L U dot M A. Oh yeah, I a lot of that. Versus the clubhouse, you know, it's clubhouse has its own idiosyncrasies that you really got to be a clubhouse surgeon to understand. Oh yeah. Um, but good, good morning, good grand rising. Um, want to jump right in and ask you, you know, two years ago almost you and Bianca Jackson decided to host a room on Clubhouse and talk about this topic we are, uh, we have as a title, Black LinkedIn is Thriving. Can you tell us the process that that came about? How did you guys have the conversation and decide to create the space for Black folks who are on LinkedIn? Absolutely. So this, I had been hounding for access to um, uh, clubhouse, Bianca had, you know, in the beginning, they only, it was invite only. And there were only, I don't know how many invitations you were able to send to people, but she, every time I would ask, she had just shared it out. So, um, I think back in October of 2020, I read this article that came out, um, black LinkedIn is thriving. Does LinkedIn have a problem with that? And it really struck me because it was the first time that I had seen Black LinkedIn as a concept represented in the, and it was just in the title of the the headline. And then also um, the voices featured in the article were Black folks that I had been following, but it was here and there. And I didn't, I didn't realize it was part of a cohesive movement. And I don't think that if you were to ask the people featured in the article, they would say that. Uh, they were posting and then they came to know each other. And then this article came out. And when I read it with Bianca, I shared it with Bianca and she got it together to give me an invite on Clubhouse. We get on Clubhouse and it was just really interesting because we said we were strategic. She said, it, you know, if you're going to put um, you're going to start a room. It's our first. It was my first room. So the first day I set up my account, she says, OK what are we going to discuss? I said, well, let's talk about the article because there are so many themes. There's so many things we can um, cover here. And she had been doing a lot of LinkedIn marketing. So that was really the start process, the the thought process behind how we started. Um, The intention was to discuss themes from the article. I had no knowledge of Clubhouse. I knew that I wanted to be in that community on it because it was exclusive and I'm, th- you know, thinking back as a little techie myself, thinking back to the uh, Gmail days. Remember, they were invite only. 
and nobody knew what it was. I mean, it was a totally new way of doing emails and threads of conversation. And uh, I got mine back in 2003. So it was like, I like this uh, club only feature, you know, in the beginning, invite only. It really worked. Uh, and it created this sense of, I know there's something special there. Little did I know that there would be so many people hungry to discuss their experiences as black people in a work context and also black entrepreneurs and black mothers and black veterans and black parents who are entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. Well, I tell you, um, one of the things that struck me initially was to your point there there was the amount of people that were interested. Sometimes the rooms would be 500 or 600. And, um, but at the same time, you're getting this high quality conversation. You're not getting people just bitching for the sake of bitching, or you're not getting people um, who were given their CV or their resume first. Um, you had people who were authentic, who were, and they're not had, you have people who are authentic and who are, um, you know, genuine uh, coming forth to speak on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard and then 6 a.m. Uh, West Coast time. That was, you know, a lot of times that's the church. Um, that's the time that people go to church. And for, you know, business people, um, for professionals, corporate employees, um, artists, uh, you know, just people who necessarily weren't in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, <laughs> you know, uh, that was really unique. And I thought that was a really unique opportunity to be able to see that and, or to rather hear it. Um, and then see, but see it consistently happen over and over again, like just consistently. I was like, whoa. Um, so take us to, you know, we, this, this, uh, logo for the show is designed by an artist who was on and in those first um, inaugural months, uh, this artist would hand draw and then send to the club and members of our group, her rendition, artist renditions of the conversation. Um, how did that come about? You know, cause nobody else I, that I knew of, and I still to this day, don't think anybody had a artist who was part of their uh, cohort or group who was hand painting uh, and hand drawing um, as the group was having a meeting. Listen, Belinda Jackson, uh, no relation to Bianca Jackson, but she is legit the business. I mean, I didn't cultivate that relationship. I know that I, I believe if I, if I get this correctly, Belinda was a client of Bianca and at a time where Belinda was transitioning from um, working in education and STEM to being a full-time um, entrepreneur as a creative. And I know I, I have a mutual connection with Belinda. So I had heard about her before I met her, before she even showed up into the room. So that's a fascinating kind of layered story. But essentially what she does is she visualizes things that are being spoken about or thoughts to help people see the, you know, it's evolution. And so, so Clubhouse was really like a really great platform for her to launch her business, uh, not, not launch the business, but 
amplify it in a way that really was different, right? Like no one else was doing that, like visualizing what is being said. I mean, audio only is great. I love it for that feature. But there are some visual elements that help ground us. I mean, when we look at this this logo, it's, it's so amazing because she she was, we were talking about the different folks featured. And then I think this snapshot in one of the conversations was just how we're on Clubhouse. You see the little greenhouse in the bottom. You have the folks. I think she was looking at your picture. So you're one of the, the heads on that. And then we have all the shades of brown, right? Because there is a black, our blackness is, there's a variety there. You know, it's not, when we say black, it's not monolithic. It's not just one thing. So she represented all of that in one snapshot. So I really want to uplift Belinda and say that her work is truly transformational as someone who's often stuck in words, being able to, to visually see things. And she uses words in a lot of her visualizations. It really helped our communication come to life in a way that I mean, just, just, you're not going to get that anywhere else. I mean, I have so many things to say about it, but (laughs) that's how it came to be. So thanks to Bianca for cultivating that relationship and bringing her in and, and Belinda for coming in for the, you know, few weeks there to really showcase, uh, different topics of what we were discussing and, and what that meant. I mean, it would be really cool to do a recording of that, to have her come back, you know, and do do it for one of our conversations. Yeah, I think that that's a good good time. It's a good time now to reach out to her and to. It's been almost a year and a what year and a half, a year and, and seven months. That, um, and proudly love to say that I've been a part of something that we haven't missed a Sunday in a year and um, seven months. Seven months, yeah. Um, so. But did reach out to her and just do a focused interview with her on, you know, art and artistry and what she experienced by listening to people talk about their lived experience. That's that's the thing I think that we didn't, you know, we were just happy to find another soul during the pandemic and talk to each other, right? (laughs) But um, part of why, what that article in New York Times was about was that there are Black people on LinkedIn who are thriving and in their space of what they're doing, but LinkedIn, the platform was, you know, and still to some degree is throttling access to other black people from black people. I mean, it was hard to find black people on LinkedIn if they're, if they're not in your network. Um, if they do post something like about the Buffalo shooting or George Floyd, LinkedIn may muzzle that post. So only, a certain amount of people see that post. Um, if there's a white person on LinkedIn that complains about this is a professional space and we're not supposed to be posting things about our personal beliefs, um, then that there's all also been complaints and reports that um, people's accounts were locked and mm-hmm. people were, were locked out of their accounts. And then, of course, two years ago, not this past Black History Month, but uh, or I guess it was a year ago, LinkedIn changed its colors of the logo for 28 days to the black, red, and green, and then hired Tyler Perry as the black ambassador, which, you know, felt like a kind of a a slap slash spit in the face (laughs) of people who actually do the work every day in diversity and do the work in um, equity 
And there were tons of black women that they could have, you know, chosen. Instead, they chose a man who dresses a black woman. So it it was just a lot mm-hmm. going on at that time. But I guess my question to you is, um, what is one of the things that really made you want to continue to get up every Sunday morning and do the room? And to this day, we're still doing the room every Sunday morning um, for Black people to find their voice, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I'm deeply moved by all of our community members. I'm just thinking about Captain Strickland, um, thinking about Cheryl Friend, thinking about um, Andrea and so many, Ife and um, Audrey and, oh, just, I just, you know, it, as I'm naming people, I'm just flooded with images of them, their icons, their social media platform. And really, um, I'm deeply moved by the fact that everyone comes together in that space to hold that space to for us to share in ways that are unique to us as Black people and also for us to feel uplifted when we walk away. It doesn't matter what we talk about. I think the vibe that we're, um, that we're emitting and we're, we're, we're spreading and we're sharing with one another is that we got this. And it can be some crazy stuff going down, but we know that when we come together in that space, it's like a reset for the week. It's, it's, I have a community of people who, who have my back and I may not have met these people. I might not know them from Adam. I just know them from the app, <laughs> but we, you know, we all kind of have that good intention, good vibe and energetically really feel it deep, deep, deep in your soul. That's what keeps me coming back. Even when, you know, I don't sleep I, in the beginning, Donnie was a baby um, my son, you know, I had him in June, 2020. I wasn't sleeping very much. This, this was like my life force because it was the only space that I could access where I could talk to adults and it wasn't a work context. It didn't have anything to do with my family. Um, it was specific to thought provoking topics that really feed your soul and even listening to people does that. I didn't have to share every time, but I felt so, and I feel so connected to the people who come in that space. I was um, pinning uh, a link to the room. So if you look above our heads, Dr. Adams, you'll see it says Black LinkedIn is driving two little dots. If you scroll to the Take your finger and scroll ah. so I can, uh, you can see. <clears throat> so one of the things that Forbes, when they covered us and uh, talked about Black LinkedIn, Forbes talks about it being a transformative space. And part of transformation has to do with intentionality and being intentional. And I love the term intentional intelligence. I feel like I coined that phrase because I never saw anybody else use it, but I'm not going to stand on that. So, but I definitely, in our space, use that term uh, a lot. I still use it a lot. And I think the intentionality behind what people do, I think my definition of intentional intelligence is you're using your intention the best way. Like Shane is a really uh, good person 
that we talked before about with, and Shane um, uh, is intentional around his gardening and what he's doing in his home country. And he's using his intelligence the best way that he decides to do that. And I think that when you're transforming or you're transforming or you're in a transform transform transformative <laughs> uh, space, you have to be intentional about the topics. And I think that's one of the other things that really resonates every Sunday morning is that the topics that you, you're part of the team that chooses um, as am I, the topics for the week or topic um, in, I guess it's what, over 90 weeks, I don't think we've revisited the same topic. And that's like, you know, a book, you know, imagine 90 chapters <laughs> and every chapter is a different topic. Mm. So where do you pick the topic? What, what inspires you to pick topics for the week or a topic for that week to talk about? Yeah. So we, we had, uh, before we had the LinkedIn group, uh, on LinkedIn, we would use it. We would do the chat. I think we, we started the chat because it was, you, we created the event on LinkedIn so people could join and then it had a chat. So we would have a lot of activity on the chat, but not very much in the group. Now we moved to the group. So throughout the week, people would be talking about different things. Uh, I see it in the feed on LinkedIn. I see it in the chat. I see it on other social media platforms. And I think I, I just would take notes like to see a pattern. So I even jot down like one note. Um, and it typically would be timely because a lot of people, it's, it's interesting. Like they guess they call it social listening. I don't use any tools for this, but in looking at patterns across the different platforms, you can kind of see, uh, you get a feel for what is dominant for, for folks during a week. So I would start noticing certain things and then I'd relate that to my life personally. Then sometimes I'd ask one of the mods or before we got our group uh, text going, I'd ask somebody, one of us, well, there are five of us, I'd ask one of them, uh, what do you think about this topic? And then kind of go back and forth and then look at how people are talking about it online, what I think about it. And then I just take a combination, you know, so I listen socially and then I ask and then I personalize it and then I would put forth some idea. And then Bianca in the beginning, she would just take that and I think she she really emphasized that all of our um all of the titles for the rooms that we're creating on the Clubhouse app should have Black LinkedIn is thriving and whatever the topic is and like come up with a catchy succinct way to capture that. Right. So that way we're having consistent branding where people are intrigued, uh, all the things that we know about how to capture people's attention. We put into the thinking of that title. And I think we've stayed consistent with that over the, the last year and seven months. And that's pretty much how I kind of worked it. I think we had a plan to recycle, to start over. So after the first year to go back. But I found that I think we I didn't pursue that as much because I thought it was good to look at what community members are talking about. Now we have over a thousand people in the LinkedIn group 
and they're posting on their page and they're posting actively in our group. And so to see like, what are some of the themes of what people are discussing there and how does that relate? And then what do we feel about it as mods? Yes. Um, the mic is open. The, I think that there is a cultural intelligence an institutional intelligence and a historical intelligence that people are utilizing. Some people, some of us are utilizing today. And that historical perspective, from my perspective, I've, we've been here before with Black Planet back in the 90s, Black Voices in the 90s. The first social network that was ever created uh, was um, Black Voices. And became, then the next one after that was Black Planet. Black Planet had direct messaging and chat in 97. And then... Um, uh, other mainstream networks took over, but before the mainstream networks, it was a Mijenta, um, it was a Spanish social network, and then there was an Asian, uh, Asian Connect, was an Asian uh, network, and then Friendster, and then MySpace, and um, my uh, um, uh, Facebook. The thing that's interesting to me, and and then Twitter, and so forth, so on. But the thing that's really interesting to me about the concept of social networking and what, we, what you're doing and what we do every Sunday morning is that most of the social networks, we haven't really seen a, a rise of a niche network. Several people have tried it. I mean, I think the former president is trying it now. Um, but the niche networks, it only works if you have community buy-in and stakeholders in that community who are invested in growth of that community. Mm -hmm. So people always say, oh, I want to create my own uh, Facebook. I want to create my own, you know, we're going to run over here. We're going to create. I haven't seen any of those things ever work um, simply because I think that there isn't community buy-in. There isn't an intentional uh, or cultural intelligence that's used. And then institutionally, our pain point with LinkedIn as black people is and same thing with Facebook or Instagram is they're muting black voices. They literally don't, you know, people make a joke about it. Can I live? You know, and it's and it's not funny now in the light of all these different killings and murders um, from domestic terrorists. That said, we joke, you know, usually when we say can I live means just can you just let me be black? Can you just let me be black in a white space or a space that was created by white people? And that doesn't usually happen. So as you find the same thing on social network, um, uh, you know, if you post something that I think it was yesterday, somebody, I don't know if you saw this post, but somebody put up a post on LinkedIn that showed what Facebook said when they posted about the Buffalo shooting. It said that you, I think it was James, James Possible. Did you see what James put up? Mm-mm. Uh, so James posted, James is a white ally slash abolitionist. And he put up um, that, um, I'm going to go inside because my neighbor is doing the grass. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's dead silence outside. And then now it's grass mowing at 10 o'clock in the morning here in, uh, oh, 9 o'clock in the morning here in Louisiana. But anyway, um, he put up a post that showed on Facebook about his feelings about the Buffalo uh, murder uh a massacre, mass shooting massacre of black folks at, at a uh, black people at a supermarket. And it told him that this subject matter may be sensitive to some people in your circle. So we're going to block it. 
we're not we're gonna cover it up and his whole thing was like really facebook like if i have as a white male if i have white uh, friends or white male friends who are who are this is too sensitive for them then I don't need to have them as friends. You know, it's just a whole post. But my point is that happens on Facebook, that happens on Instagram, that happens on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And um, so people r- want to run to their own network. They want to run to their own, you know, space where they can truly be themselves and and talk about things without sensitivity issues. Um, but the butt part is, it's a heavy lift to do that every day. <laughs> like, like it is, you know, Monday through s- Sunday, and then you know, through holidays, through children's graduations, through deaths, to, you know, through unfortunate incidents and uh, horrific incident. You know, you got to show up. Mm-hmm. So I guess to your point, I guess I'm uh, the question I'm trying to get to is, um, you said you're inspired, but what allows you? and in your opinion, allows all of our team to show up every single week, regardless of the holiday, regardless of the mass um, murder that keep happening, regardless of the police, uh, you know, shootings that happen, uh, attempted murders that happen, um, you know, even your health scare, um, you know, that you've talked about publicly, um, what allows you to show up? I definitely think it, it, the bulk of it, in addition to us, uh, the people, uh, us coming every week, it's this feeling that we get when we, when we do show up. It's, um, it's almost like, uh, it feeds into itself, you know, like I, there was such extreme intentionality for the level of thought provoking conversation I always want to have period like that's my that's the way I see the world and want to experience it I'd rather talk about ideas than people (laughs) because you know yeah I'd rather do that and so the thought-provoking nature of of the way we structure our conversations helps people showcase who they are and what aspects of who they are that they don't get to showcase other places because they don't feel safe, right? So it's that feeling that I get when I know someone new to our space is going to come in, like the brother that came in and was sharing with us about his horse love. And then somebody else was like, oh, I like riding horses. And for like five minutes, five, 10 minutes, they were talking about horses and all that stuff. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm an urban person, so I'm not familiar with that. But um, but I like that. I like that there were black cowboys and cowgirls up in the black LinkedIn is thriving, and they were there was more than one, right? And so that really struck me as one example of how, like, you know, we were talking about whatever we were discussing, but it was striking them so much that they felt uh, compelled to share who they were and aspects of who they are that aren't, you know, stereotypical, that are atypical. Um, And I love that. I love that we cultivate that space. And it's not just 
us as founders and moderators of the conversations. It's all of us who show up there and who are powerfully vulnerable and who want to showcase their intentional intelligence. You said a mouthful. Um, that's that's is definitely something that I agree with. Um, I forgot about the brother with the um, with the ranch and um, stable. Uh, it reminded me of one of our co-founders. I think it was uh, Melody, who talks about you know her love for writing immediately when that happened. And mm-hmm. I, I think also the thing is learning so much about learning so much about folks that we care about, uh, that we see, uh, that shows up every, every day. I think that that's, that's a piece of it too, that we get to learn so much about our neighbors, so to speak, um, neighbors digitally. Mm-hmm. I guess, um, I didn't really have a lot that I wanted to talk about for this first episode. Um, you know, you, you, you and I share similar, I think, curiosity about our members and we like learning about their stories. So I'm, I'm excited to get through, I say get through, but go through our founders team, have these podcasts and then turn over the reins to each found, you know, each co-founder who wants to interview whoever they want to interview at the same time, you know, make suggestions. Hey, you should like, that's definitely a guy I got to get to within our first 10 episodes um, is the brother who has the uh, stable out in the West Coast Mm -hmm. and um, his ranch and stuff. And just the things that, you know, there's a, there's a sister, Wendy, Wendy, I don't know if you know, has a farm. Um, Wendy Mm -hmm. Alexander, Mm -hmm. she has a farm in Georgia. Um, Besides being a person that goes to Dubai and does work in Dubai. Um, So it's just, we have so many members. We have so many interesting stories to tell. And I'm excited to get to that Um, as much as there's another piece to this that I haven't really talked about a lot. I think you know about it. Um, Black solutions. That's really something that has been top of mind after Buffalo. And I know in the black solutions podcast, which I consider a sister, sister or brother podcast to this podcast, we're really going to dive deep into your book, you know, me power into what you go through as a PhD and, um, but I, but for this podcast, I really wanted to talk about how you're an integrated part of how we thrive. The reason that black LinkedIn is thriving, Dr. Adams is Dr. Adams. <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Adams for, um, being such a key factor and to black people being able to thrive on LinkedIn. Absolutely. We all, we all do it together. You know, it's, it's. Oh, it's so, it's so amazing. I just, I'm overwhelmed with so much gratitude. That's what you hear in my voice. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, I know you got to get to work. I got to get back to work and um, we will definitely see each other Sunday uh, in our regular scheduled room um, over on the other platform. But I definitely want people to come over to LinkedIn, find uh, Dr. Lanisha Adams, spelled the same way. Uh, as you see in this podcast uh, title, description, 
connect to her, follow her, um, check out some of her writings. You are on Twitter as Ed Linguist. Is that, did I say it right? Yep, on all the platforms as that, yep. Yes. And so Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you know, you can find Dr. Alicia Adams. You can find the group uh, Black LinkedIn is Thriving by the hashtag BL on um, on LinkedIn. And, of course, you know, our show that we do over on the other platform, um, we do that every Sunday at 9 a.m. You can just type in Black LinkedIn is Thriving over on that platform and find that uh, episode that we do live every Sunday for about an hour and a half. Trying to get it down to an hour because <laughs> all our kids are getting big. <laughs> and so, yep. you know, it was good during the pandemic, but these were babies. They're like, we out. We want to be in the backyard swimming. <laughs> we trying to play soccer. We trying to be out. And like, I got, I have to do the show. They're like, she's looking at me like, Negro, you better get your butt out here so I can learn how to fly this pressure. Totally. Right. So, <laughs> have a good day, and we'll see each other in these digital streets. Thank you so much. Take care, Martin. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.